My notes say, welcome to I Don't Get It, so I'm supposed to say that to everyone listening. This is the Pop Culture Get Off My Lawn cast, which features the open-minded musings of two mid-40s curmudgeons, each who stare down the prospect of entertainment relevance. I'm your co-host, Bill Scurry of American Caesar Enterprises, which, Noah, is a law firm filled with the children of some famous friends with a successful mm. strike, rate, strike rate below 5% in front of actual juries. Okay, so here's the thing. You bring up a very salient point to our topic this week about the law firm that relies on the old NEP, the yes. old nepotism. Yeah, right? which has, which has which for is, a long time. White shoe law firms. That's well, but we're going to talk about this, man. We are going to talk about... Don't you ever... The, the, term, the term white shoe never made yeah. sense to me. What, what, how, where's that come from? What's that all about? Well, I know where white glove comes from. The idea that everything is so clean. You know... It, metaphorically oh, if not literally that you could wear white gloves and they wouldn't be all smudged and um uh but white shoe law firm i'm gonna imagine that once upon a time i mean we could look this up there was um there was like a, a law firm where like they mandated people had to wear white shoes right there's some some waspy thing from the old days yeah so why don't you introduce yourself uh the, your, your repository of both laws law information and shoe knowledge uh, tell the people who you are yes uh my name is noah tarno i am the founder and the senior quiz master of the big quiz thing the trivia game show spectacular and uh this week folks i am back in the hometown of the bqt new york city New York State. How about that? New York County. Yeah, can you get more State. specific? What time zone are I am, you in? I am actually in the apartment of one Sherry Smith, who I don't think she's a fan of this podcast, but uh, she's a BQT old schooler. She was. Were you in the audience of the first ever Big Quiz thing? Yeah, at the, at the Slipper Room. Yeah, sure. I was so there. You, but like the very first edition, you were in yeah. the audience? Yeah, you know what? And everyone who was in the audience made their own. They, they were inspired to do their they own. Made, yeah, yeah. We, we are the Velvet Underground of Quiz Shows. <laughs> Uh, no, but you were there and Sherry was there. And for yeah. years, she, when, when we were doing public events in New York, she was our door person. I'm pretty sure Marie and Hornbuckle were there too. Uh, I am almost certain you are correct. Yeah. Uh, and ja EDP. Who, Jabness was there. Jabness was there. Uh, EDP, who is now for many years a big quiz and quiz master. Uh, it was, it, oh, it was happening, folks. Uh, let me see. Uh, I know 20 for years ago. 20 years ago. I know for October. a fact. That's Lib how old. Liberace was there. That was a big Liberace gap. Didn't was expect there. to yep. see that. Yeah. Uh, 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 Julio Iglesias was there. That's right. Ray Bolger was there. Ray Bolger. Uh, Roger Whitaker, American folk Ro singer Roger Whitaker. Exactly. Big uh, Slim Whitman was there too. Slim Whitman. Slim Pickens, I think, was there at the same time. Slim Pickens. Other, various other Slims. All the Slims. Yeah. All, all Slims of various uh, repute, ill and otherwise. Only the finest Slims uh, that were on offer uh, that Virginia night. Slims was there. Dick Cavett was there. Uh, he did the introduction. It was yeah. Good. Slim, Slim Goodbody, the superhero of health. He was there. Tom Snyder, I looked that I looked that guy up recently. He still tours in that freaking body uh, that suit that shows you his intestines. Uh, you know what? I think remember that guy. As old as it is, he probably doesn't need. He doesn't even need the suit anymore. It probably he's just... never he's never washed. Oh God! So folks, those who don't know, people my age, our age, in the eighties, there was this guy. He would show up on like Electric Company and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And there's this guy called Slim Goodbody, and he was like this Jew-froed white guy who wore the only thing he wore was a skin tight bodysuit that peach, peach peach colored it was like his, his ca caucasian skin colored right that showed all his internal organs and he would show up in an electric company and various kids shows and talk about health and talk about your body 
And for some reason, years ago, I looked him up. I think I wrote a trivia question about him. And he was called Slim Goodbody, the superhero of health. And he would tour around and do stuff at schools. And anyway, the same dude is, was like 10 years ago still doing this. We should... Yeah, you're right. He's, he probably doesn't need to wear the suit. He's just translucent at this point. We probably should have seen, by the way, he was incredibly, it was this, the grievous crime against humanity. He was in charge of an organ harvesting ring, which we should have seen. <laughs> he, was, he was all but admitting to it the entire time. <laughs> he would chloroform, he would pick up uh, illegal immigrants right across the border, chloroform them, take their, that suit actually had actual... Actual um, organs, actual organs is, inside. How did we get on this, man? You anyway. know what? You know that's what the, the the joke of it is. Of course, you know when you want to donate one kidney, you're called a hero. You donate two kidneys, people start to ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> so so here I am, folks. I'm back in New York for a few weeks, seeing some people, getting some work done, hosting a big quizzing bar mitzvah tonight. Living the life, my friends. That's pizza, what it's all pizza about. and bagels, something that neither of us can get in good supply in the places we pizza, live right now. And bagels, and uh, I'll tell you something else. I had a cup of coffee yesterday. I, I drink a lot of coffee out there in San Francisco. I have not felt this caffeinated hyper up mm-hmm. from a cup of coffee in a while. Oh, yeah. I think the coffee here has a little something extra. Uh, which which city would you say has the better needle exchange, San Francisco or New York? <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna actually give you a credible answer to that and say San Francisco because. Uh, when people ask me to compare the cities, you know, granted, I've only lived in San Francisco for seven years. I barely knew it before then. And I moved to New York in the nineties after the heyday of heroin. I feel like like the central rough neighborhood of San Francisco, the, the skid row and the tenderloin is still pretty damn rough. And you see drug people, drug people, you see drug addicts on the street, street, you can catch people shooting up and you don't see that in New York anymore. You see poor neighborhoods, but I feel like you really never nowhere see junkies just wholesale out on the street. Oh, that was Union Square. The the, the methadone clinic was across by Beth Israel on Union Square. It was, but not anymore. Union Square now looks nothing like the Tenderloin, dude. No, but I I remember people would be doing the junkie lean all through our neighborhood and through Union Square. I mean, that was... Yeah, but not not the way it is in San Francisco. I mean, first of all, the homeless problem is way worse because the weather is so much nicer. Also, we sweep them on the streets less. There are tents all over the place. And look, it's not pleasant, but they're human beings. They deserve to live there as much as anyone else. So, you know, you live with it. It's still a beautiful city, I think. And I don't think it's particularly dangerous. I don't think those people are dangerous. Uh, I mean, who knows? Um, So my point is, I would say that if I were to actually pull the needle exchange resources... Standard reason San Francisco would probably be more involved. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, just, just my very uninformed opinion. Well, no, some of these people could have used a leg up from an uncle, yes. an aunt. Yes, This, this yes. is a pivot yes. to our topic this week. Yes, they, they could have used an a, a uncle or a, a cousin hook, who worked, a hook, who worked in a needle exchange. Yeah. So we are uh, describing, we are, this week we are talking about a CBS cartoon from the late 80s called yes. Nepotism Babies. Nepotism uh, Babies, they'll make their dreams come true. Yes, uh, no, not at all having anything to do with the mother. So nepotism, right, we're talking about. Uh, nepotism. Wait a minute, wait a minute. 
Yes, having to do with the Muppets, because who runs Muppet Enterprises now? Do you know his name? Uh, Jim Henson's kid, Brian Henson, right? Brian Henson. Yeah. There was nepotism in the Muppets as well. Yeah. It is everywhere. So rather than just talk about nepotism as a topic, which of course, I mean, we are, the whole point of this is it came up because of the quote-unquote nepotism babies phenomenon, which I believe was syndicated via TikTok, as a lot of things are, social media. I mean, there's even a couple of like patient zeros in this case. You know, as a lot of people have seen, said online, I, I listened to, read a bunch of essays and watched a bunch of pieces. This comes up every, I don't know, maybe every, less than a decade where there's a whole crop of people who all of a sudden wake up, holy shit, blankety blank is blankety blank's kid? And so it's almost like a perpetual discovery, you know, like when you say when you when you play peekaboo with your baby and it's always excited that the baby always, you know, the peekaboo is always, <laughs> always, always goes over really well with a kid. It's it's the root. It's the root of comedy. You yeah. really understand the root of comedy when you play peekaboo with a baby. It is it is outcome defying expectation. <laughs> See, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. That's com- that's the, the core, the kernel of comedy. So the nepotism baby is a term coined by younger generations for pop culture figures. We're going to keep this. Well, actually, it's not true. We're going to go all over the place in terms of the precincts. But this is born of pop culture, which is why we're talking about it. Um, people have famous parents, which and this is the, this is the other part that's sort of a mind bender. It's apparently a stunning revelation to people who, who honestly can't discern the purpose of a last name something as old as the hill since we <laughs> since we crawled up and called ourselves cooper and chandler and wheelwright and whatnot and sawyer and and miller uh smithy you know like apparently people smithy. forget what a last name was supposed to be and you know transmit family names at patrimony anyway so um, as with many things we speak of on this program uh it was tiktok i believe which began a particular wildfire when some people cottoned to what the proper name apatow meant after the first name Maud, the child, uh, this is, a, of course, previous guest of the show, uh, Euphoria. Maud Apatow is one of the leads. Guest? Uh, we had, we yes, had we had, we had Euphoria on the show. It was a guest, yeah. Okay. yeah. All right, uh, so it started a small av- avalanche-lit of awareness, I guess, among people who Wait, 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 wait. Judd Apatow's daughter, but also Leslie Mann's Leslie Mann, yeah, yeah, right. Yes. Right, but don't forget her. She's a some very of the good actress pre- some of the preeminent attractive. people in comedy of the last fifteen years. Somehow they smuggled a daughter who was openly using their last name, and people just did not ever put two and two together. So who the hell knows? Who's that woman uh, who turns out as Meryl Streep's daughter? Uh, there's two of them. One is Mamie Gummer, and the other one is Mamie on, Gummer. Uh, the Gilded Mamie Age. Gummer's the one who looks just like her. And the other daughter does too. She's on really? Gilded Age on right. HBO. They, they both the the, the the Streep gene is. Her, I think Meryl Streep's husband, Don Gummer, is a little recessive because the daughters both look like Meryl Streep. It's, she does a lot of heavy lifting with those faces. Yeah, so anyway, like I said my notes here, it's a small avalanche of awareness among people who finally put the puzzle pieces together. They began to realize that many actors and models, of course, are legacy admissions to life, having their tickets punched by wealthy-slash-famous-slash-connected parents. Of course... This is, as Noah Tarno would say, this is as as old as our venerable institutions themselves. Uh, but like most things the kids get into because of the fact that they've never heard of it, they think they're blowing the lid off this like Woodward and Bernstein. Uh, you know, and, and just just my, my last note here, of course, is that in case you guys didn't realize this, this whole term nepo, nepotism is borrowed from the French nepotisme, from the Italian nepotismo. And the, yeah. root, the root is the Latin word nepos, 
which is literally nephew. And and the, the yeah. origin of this, the zero base, this is a reference to the practice of popes appointing relatives, most often nephews in particular, which, which I didn't know. Well, well uh, popes didn't have sons or oh, I know, didn't but, usually have sons. I guess so. I guess it would be a male heir. Yeah, we jumped the line. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The closest uh, you get. So right. Nep- your, nephews your, your sister's car- kid or whatever. Nephews would become cardinals during the Middle Ages and then the Renaissance. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Noah. Uh, it's interesting because this topic came about because you pitched hacks, which was something that certainly could still be talked about. But it seemed to me that one of the conversations about hacks that was happening on the back channel was one of the leads is Hannah Einbinder. Um, who it's herself is Lorraine Newman's daughter. She's kind of a legacy admission to comedy as well, which made me think, oh, is it is there maybe a bigger overarching thing, um, like more of an octopus that we can talk about um, than just the TV show Hacks, which, you know, would have been a fun conversation. But this, this seems, there's, there's a little more fire in this. Like, I care more about this conversation than I would about Hacks, for instance. So, but I'm curious, so what did, what did your research turn up in this in this one? Well, you, you beat me to it with the origin of the word nepotism because I was wondering what that was. So, uh, yeah, literally refers to nephews. And as as someone who is close with his nephews but does not have a son of my own. You're going to appoint I've them as often, cardinals now? Well, I've often fantasized that I would pass on the big quiz thing to my nephews, but those, those guys are going to have bigger fish to fry. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I read articles about this, nepotism babies and this discovery of nepotism and the list of celebrities who I didn't realize, I mean, I haven't heard of half these people, but like I didn't realize that they were the child of famous people. And frankly, some of them too, it's not that their parents are, you know, Meryl Streep or whatever, you know, their dad is a casting agent or their mom is, you know, a real powerful publicist, you know? I mean, it's, that shit is just as potent. And uh, one thing you didn't mention is, uh, I guess this was last summer, there was a big, kind of went viral Twitter back and forth debate between Franklin Leonard. He's a writer. He's a he runs he runs the blacklist. And what is that? Remind the blacklist is, it, is this collection of scripts that are circulated. They're supposed to be goers, like scripts that are great that don't get produced. And he continually keeps this repository of unaccepted scripts. And it's almost like a, 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 a not like a hall of shame because the scripts themselves are great, but it's it's supposed to be this thing that says Hollywood is fallow because it is ignoring all this great. These scripts are plainly available, but they haven't. They're, they're good enough to be made into movies, but they're just unsold. And so the blacklist right. is supposed to be a talent well uh, of, of people who should uh, deserve to be approached, and that's why. And again, because he's an African American man himself, there's a particular care paid to people of color whose scripts right. are unworked, and that's why Franklin right. Leonard has become the mouthpiece for a lot of this. Right. So what happened was he started bringing up how nepotism is a big problem in Hollywood because it trickles down or up rather to, you know, who's behind who's behind the behind and behind the camera, right in yeah. front of the camera is the actors. Uh, and he's saying how, you know, the C-suites of Hollywood, I think he literally said, are less are, are even whiter than Trump's cabinet, which I can totally believe. Yeah, it's totally true. Um, and then uh, Ben Stiller responded and it was mostly a pretty... I mean, for Twitter, certainly it was a it was a pretty civilized, courteous debate. Uh, I have no problem with Ben Stiller, who, of course, is a nepotism baby. Um, and he's making a point. He's like, look, yes, but, you know, that's not to say those people don't work hard. And I certainly think Ben Stiller worked hard. And, you know, but he Stiller was describing Hollywood as a meritocracy. And, you know, you get your foot in the door if you're, you're, your dad is Jerry Stiller and your mom is Ann Mira, but you still got to do the work. And Leonard wasn't denying that, and I kind of think both of them in that in that debate. But he kept saying, 
I have a quote here from the other remarkable bit of this is that the conversation has been hijacked into a referendum on nepotism and the talents of its beneficiaries instead of one about the systems that prevent other talented people from having the opportunities their talents merit. Their talent merits. Quite unfortunate. So I feel like the two sides are just arguing past each other. You know, Stiller is basically being somewhat defensive, which I can't blame him. He's a human being. He's like, hey, I worked hard. And Leonard is, I don't say changing the subject, but the subject was changed and he's just not rolling with it or starting a new one. He's just keeps trying to drag it back, which is probably not worth the struggle. So it becomes this debate, people getting defensive. Uh, and then, of course, people are saying, look, it's fine if you're a nepotism baby and no one's saying you didn't work hard and there is some element of meritocracy. I mean, you get your foot in the door, but generally or for the most part don't last if you don't do the work aren't talented but let's recognize your privilege i mean this gets at some of the bigger debates in our society about white privilege talking about white privilege doesn't mean white people always have it easy it doesn't mean white people have struggles but in general not 100 percent of the time i think the theory behind it is you have advantages that other people don't have it just gets 10 percent easier whatever number you want to put on it it just gets some percentage easier and you benefit from that. Doesn't guarantee you're going to win, but you benefit. And the flip side is people of color too often, you know, are penalized in certain ways. Um, look, what do we think of nepotism babies? I mean, this is the oldest topic we have ever brought up on this show. The most ancient, the most long of tooth. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. It is. Nepotism has happened everywhere. I would imagine in every culture since time immemorial. I would imagine Og's rock-breaking business was passed along to Og Jr. Oh, I should have used that as one of my American Caesar things. Right. Ah, you burned exactly. it. Exactly. However, I also imagine that that uh, Trog, who was the most celebrated cave painter of his time, he used his celebrity as a cave painter to give Trog Jr. a cave painting career. And I do think it gets different when you get to artistry and entertainment. And this is something that I feel all these articles about nepotism babies which mostly were like did you know that so-and-so is the child of so-and-so and so-and-so is the child of so-and-so they all miss this point they miss several points is that it's worse in entertainment because say it with me folks representation matters and when you perpetuate these patterns as franklin leonard says you get fewer people of color not only in the c-suites in the position of power and making the decisions but in front of the camera and representation matters and the inspiration and all that. And that is, I feel like in mainstream American entertainment is moving in a positive direction. But why not bring up that there's still a ways to go? So, you know, I guess this is all right. I mean, it's worth having a debate on. It's worth talking about. And if any Twitter debate can happen civilly, you know, that's the world we want to live in where we can argue in good faith about important issues and not want to chop each other's heads off and not lie so you know i just think i don't know how important it is in the big scheme of things because it happens everywhere all the time and i will also tell you like yes it's bad in every business nepotism people giving their kids jobs people giving their nephews jobs people giving their friends jobs that's the currency of life it is unavoidable it happens everywhere yes also it's worse than entertainment but you know what career it is even worse in for a variety of reasons than say, entertainment? Say it with us, folks. Politics. Do you think George W. Bush ever would have got within spitting distance of the presidency 
if his dad hadn't been George Bush? You think George Bush Sr. would have become president if his dad hadn't been Prescott Bush? I mean, talk about connections, especially in an industry more than any other where name recognition is key. I mean, that, yes, Hollywood, oh, you know, a famous name, celebrities, the most powerful force in entertainment, but, you know, politics, it's even more powerful and more corrosive because we're, we're pushing people up there who aren't qualified. They just have a name that can get them to win. And even when these guys are awesome, it's still part of it. Franklin Roosevelt was still in his 30s. He was only the assistant secretary of the Navy, but he was nominated by the Democrats for vice president of the United States in 1920 because his name was Roosevelt. That was basically it. They had no idea he would turn out to be a great president. His name was Roosevelt. And that's not really the way you should decide on a leader. <laughs> but like I said, it's the currency of human civilization. Well, I, I can't stand. I know I hate this with all my might. I think this is, a, you know, and I but know. What I, are we talking about? Do you hate nepotism or do you hate the, the nepotism babies calling out nepotism? I feel like we're, we're muddling a few topics. No, I mean, I th look, it, it's, it's all we'll get to we'll get to each of these pieces you know and the thing is it's like you know the nepot the, the people on tiktok the people on um instagram the people on twitter who are no there there is a mixture of reactions where there's some envy and then there's there winds up being this sort of champion this like valiantly champion you go girl kind of shit which i don't quite understand where that comes from i don't know how it's how it's a cause or positive uplift how it's somehow empowering i don't get how that works but you know like i, I we only have ever brought up nepotism as a society, as a culture, as a species, to point out how inherently unfair it is. There's no good upside to it anywhere. We all know it happens, um, but for some reason we shrug our shoulders as if as if nothing can stop it, and as if it's it's sort of um, you know what it's like a loss leader or or you know like when you work at a grocery store spillage. There's a certain amount of a product that you mark for breakage and shipping. You know, you're like all of all your half gallons of milk, some of them are going to come damaged, and you know it's it's built into the equation. You know, just like it has to be a certain amount of creep of loss. People, you know, theft, employees taking things. It's all built into you know whatever it is that you know your margins. And, you know, the thing is, nepotism sort of has this tally where in Hollywood, it's just assumed that a lot of untalented sons, daughters, nephews and nieces are going to get a shot and they're going to stick around for way longer than they should. You know? But 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 you're jumping to a conclusion. You say untalented. And I think the point people are making this debate, which I like that they're making in good faith, is that plenty of these people are talented. OK, many but, of them are but, talented, but not enough. I'm not saying it's nothing. I'm saying. These people, it's not like Gwyneth Paltrow, who is a nepotism baby, who's still, if not A-list, B-list. Because, I, in my opinion, despite being a lunatic, she's actually talented. <laughs> All right, but you know what? Here's a great example, too. And here's right. somebody whose work I enjoy quite a bit is yeah. uh, Dakota, Dakota Johnson. Dakota Johnson, right. as you well know, is Melanie Griffith and Don Johnson's daughter. Dakota Johnson, when she started out, was soft. She was not a very good performer. She had a lot of weak spots. Dakota Johnson, if it was anybody else, if she was an actor who came out yes, of... Uh, she, she would not have been given a second and a third and a fourth chance. Correct. And it's like she yes. managed to stick around and she managed to alloy herself and get better and better gigs and she got better and she became a full-fledged performer after a lot of... Other people would have been jettisoned out of the airlock. Before you know it, Dakota Johnson is in a movie like the Suspiria remake that Luca Guadagnino made. And she's incredible in it. She gives, every, I mean, it is the first performance I saw where it's like, oh, this woman's got the goods. She absolutely knows what she's doing. 
because she was able to season. She was able to mature, which to be right. fair, every single actor should be given the chance to get better in front of you on screen. But the reality is they don't. They get one shot. And especially if you're an actor of color, if you're a fucking woman of color, yeah, you get yeah. half a shot. And yep. you, you yep. are quickly jettisoned from the airlock. And the thing is, there are so many uh, legacy cases in Hollywood. People like, uh, if, again, if you're not going to say somebody like, well, you're two, your parents are two actors. Somebody like Cara Delevingne, who was a British, she's the child of peerage. She Her, her parents are English lords. Um, her grandmother was Joan, Joan Collins. Um, she decided she wanted to go into modeling. And then when she was in modeling, she decided that she wanted to go into acting. She never had to work a day in her life. She had her family has an estate in the English countryside. Um, that was, those weren't people who could necessarily, you know, point at something and say, "Oh, I'm going to call the shot for you." You get to just all of a sudden be a model. You get to, you know, yes. march, yep. uh, walk. In. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not denying that, man. It's, no, the I doors think... are pushed open for you. But the thing is, it's like you, you will never convince me that this is something we should accept. You should never convince me that this, that right. this is something. I, I, as much as Ben Stiller, in particular has continually reinvented himself, has refined himself, has changed his act, has, again, he had this thing coming in, and I think he has accepted his uh, privilege. He does not try to demur from the fact that he's parents of these people. It's the people like Destry Spielberg who, for, for, you know, again, this, it's, it's going to sound like I'm beating up on a young woman, uh, but part of that article you're saying about Franklin, uh, Franklin Leonard was that idea that Destry Spielberg was making a... Um, Industry Spielberg, by the way, is one of Steven Spielberg's, I believe, five children. What, what kind of name is what was she named after the G.I. Joe character? No, the, the, the Western. Sorry the Western. to be mean about Destry it. Destry rides again, the Western. Oh, Spielberg yeah, is a huge Western guy. Yeah, so yeah. she was directing she was gonna direct a short film that starred uh, Sean Penn's son, and it was written by Stephen King's son. And she's yeah. she's Spielberg's daughter. And the thing is it was bad optic, bad optic, bad optics. And it's like yes. that that's when people all of a sudden made it they people piled on her on, on twitter and saying it's like does anybody understand how bad this looks to people who can look at last names and her first take she said something about i've worked hard and it's like she deleted it it stayed up for about a half hour and somebody said you know district you might want to get rid of that because you completely misread what and then she redrafted it saying i know who my dad is i know i have to work twice as hard to prove myself she cleared her throat. She gave it another shot. She said the correct thing. At the, but her first, her first impulse was to say something that was kind of, "Woe is me. My dad is Spielberg. My mom is Kate Capshaw, and I had every single person in Hollywood in front of me as my entire life growing up as an object lesson, as an example of what to do about film." And it's like, again, some of these people get it and some of them don't. I think that nepotism, obviously, my last name is McCain and my father is a famous politician and I got a lot of opportunities and a lot of things that no one gets and no one would be able to have. Um, I interned at Saturday Night Live in college. You know, I don't know if they necessarily would have chosen me as an intern if my father weren't who he was. Why is nepotism babies caught on as a term du jour of the talk of tick? Uh, why do people care? Why are people like you heated up about this, considering it's existed since, you know, a proto-man rose up from the primordial ooze and yelled at the blank heavens, I am man? Why uh, Why? Why now? I was there that day when he did that. Proto-man? You were there? Good guy. You super, were, super, super you were proto-man. You proto still are proto-man. Bill is like 30% protoplasm still. You touch him and you can like pull out a mitochondria.
pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I need those mitochondria. Give that back. I know. Well, that's why he's so lazy. Leave, leave, uh, leave my ribosomes alone, everybody. Yeah, leave his leave my that was uh, that was my favorite uh, uh, old blues song by Robert Johnson. Leave my ribosomes alone. <laughs> well, you know there is sort of an ironic. A idolatry going on vis-a-vis Maud Apatow and the Hadids, of course. We didn't mention the Hadids, but uh, Bella yes, and right. Bella and tough, the, yeah. tough job, tough job. Tough lie, job. Yeah, lay on a beach and then lie about how you're going to the fire festival. Tough job. Yeah. And then, of course, the Kardashians are part of this. Uh, right. You know, this all this uh, don't, stuff. Don't don't get me started. Well, on but that. here we are. You know. All right. So, but the thing is, I also read this. Um, what was it? There was actually some preparation for ASAP Rocky and Rihanna's baby, who's going to be like you know a power player, almost like that's going to be yes. blue, blue, uh, right. Beyonce and Jay Z's kid. It's like that that phenomenon all over again, where here's future royalty. You know, I I am shocked. I mean, maybe I don't pay that much attention to hip hop, but the the huge influx of like big name hip hop stars in the late '90s, I am shocked that we are not now inundated by their kids as hip-hop stars you do have to prove yourself that rap is one thing where you cannot just coast in and be a weak-ass game you need to have the actual yeah. shit well but talk about you, a meritocracy you, but you okay but you get so-and-so listening to your mixtape right you get you get those same advantages that the actors do you get people listening and taking you seriously in a way that the actual poor kid from the streets doesn't Anyway. Well, the the popularity, I think, like I said, you get this weird thing where some of these people are like the Hadids for some reason, and the Kardashians are social heroes, and that's you know again you're gonna have to go through the 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 bent mirror, the, the veil of tears to figure heroes. out why we live in that world, you know. But you know, I I think that um, part of it is that Dory fish like memory where people just forget things when you say it to them, and they just don't understand that children. Either they lose track of who, whose children became who, or what, out, what you know, everyone in girls, you know, that with everyone, you know, when they started to pay attention to all, all four leads in girls were the children of super famous and super powerful people, and there was a whole show that was almost like laughing at everybody by showing you these very uh, uh, self. Uh, uh, not self-effacing but sort of self-absorbed life of brooklyn girls and it's like well that might not have been too far from the truth for lena dunham and and the rest of the the cohort of that show um you know maybe this is a disconnect from the lack of social mobility you know as we know it has probably never been harder in america to to leap over social class it's possible of course but it's never been more unlikely to happen than it is today and so perhaps people look at the stuff and they're like yay it's uh you know it's it's what is it northwest uh, kim kardashian's kid yay it's the baby you know it's like these kids are going to have some kind of cushy thing set up for them whenever they eventually decide to do whatever they want to do without thinking oh you know that's taking away um an opportunity from somebody else i have no or maybe crowds of people who won't get to do something so it's like you know the social mobility is one of the things that the United States was based on. It's rarely lived up to those ideals, but that was one of the, you know, like one of the things that I I have here in a note about nepotism is that I really could have sworn this is one of the reasons, one of the reasons why we threw off the yoke of being an English colony is because we honestly drafted a document that was about people proving themselves, being their own man, uh, not having uh, you know this idea that you needed to go to the proper school, that you needed peerage, that you were somehow born better than somebody else. And this is exactly what we're doing again. Like none of that stuff ever mattered if, in fact, you are born better than somebody else. If you're being exalted for the fact that you have this last name that ennobles you to do something else that other people can't do, that you are picked to be, you know, a presidential candidate. You know, you brought up George George Walker Bush. I was going to say there's plenty of mediocre Bushes. How about Jeb Bush? Jeb Bush was a completely useless functionary that ran Florida. And when when he ran for president, one of his selling points. Was I'm a Bush. His brother. 
Yeah, I'm a. I mean, you literally said my brother was so great on 9/11. Like that's so that's me. why we should elect you president. Like yeah. what? I mean, it's like Jeb Bush will never go hungry, will never go poor, will never go unnoticed not. in his in, his entire life, and it's like, and again, that's because he's got this last name, and he just grew up thinking I am somehow better than most people. Because of my last name, because of this family legacy. Two presidents can't be bad. I was almost a third, and so you yes. know, and what and what presidents they were. But you know, and and let's also not discount the blowback, which my point of view, my specific uh, particular bitter bile that I have is being represented. Where, like for instance, the, the Destry Spielberg thing it gives people a chance to push back and say this isn't fair. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, it's provocative. It's not just celebrating the lifestyles of the rich and famous and the politically connected. It's it's also it's a, it's a it's another thing to get angry about. But it, then it also most, it feels more righteous to well, get angry. We're, yeah. About. Slaughtering sacred caps. Yeah. We're, we're in an age of that. So, you yeah, you know, it's it seems to me, Bill, that you're 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 very anti nepotism, but you're pro the nepotism babies phenomenon. Oh, right. You mean as like a spotlight, as a, as a to lift the rock. Yeah, up. but with that being our, t- our topic, is it nepotism? Our topic is calling out nepotism. The right? spoiling. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Sure. Yeah. Nepotism babies. They yeah. make their dreams come true. <laughs> I love that show when I was a kid. Um, yeah, I mean, there's good and bad reasons about why this is a phenomenon. The good is, as you say, Bill, we're, we, we are in an era of slaughtering sacred cows of, you know, saying i mean some of us are uh many elements of the media are saying the rich are too rich there needs to be a reckoning these people are assholes these people are spoiled these people are destroying the environment they're destroying society they don't care fuck them eat the rich all that we are in an era of at least rhetorically saying those things what's bad about this is it might just be rhetoric right that it might not extend to actual action so we're just spinning our wheels or maybe lying to ourselves, making ourselves feel, oh, everyone hates Elon Musk. Fuck him. He's losing. He's losing. Well, no, then he buys Twitter. Also, look, it's, this, is, this is what social media have wrought in that everyone's looking to take everyone else down. And I am sympathetic enough to say, I mean, maybe this is because I am a child of privilege, if not nepotism, that a lot of those actors actually, yes, they, they got the auditions the easy way. But they they earned the job. They did the work. They are good actors. I mean, and this goes, you know, are we going to shit on Drew Barrymore? Are we going to shit on John Lon Chaney Jr.? I mean, let's let's give credit where credit's due. And I think for a lot of these people, credit is due. Not that they, you know, work their way up from nothing, but that they did work. So I just think this impulse we all have to snipe at everyone and disqualify everyone because they maybe even not even did one thing wrong, but just, you know, had one advantage that so-and-so other person didn't have. I don't think that's healthy. Like if I were ever to actually be an actor, I had to have all the tools and I, I had to feel confident about what I was going to do in order to also hear the nepotism comments. All right, Noah, would you have liked nepotism babies? Not the TV show of cute little cartoon animals that ran in a nursery, but the actual uh, pernicious process of giving your 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 nephew, your well, daughter, your son a job. Yeah. Would you, would you have liked I, it when you were a kid? I would have hated it, so I would have championed the nepotism babies call out. Uh, so as I've said in the show before, as a kid, my number one dream was to be an actor. And I, you know, I played at it a bit. I was a stand-up for a few years and I didn't get very far. But the thing the thing that I think most stopped me from truly wholeheartedly pursuing 
in, in acting profession was the fear of starting. How am I going to get an agent? How am I going to get uh, uh, auditions? And I literally have said this many times that if I were not necessarily Hollywood royalty, but if my parents had any kind of pull in show business, you I, almost used it. I almost guarantee you, I mean, I'll pat myself on the back. I'd be an actor today because I think I'm good enough to, once I had the audition, you know, maybe not be a superstar, but a working actor. Uh, you know, I imagine it this way. My dad is very good at keeping friends. He's got a lot of, still a lot of friends from college and law school. You know, these people showed up at my nephew's bar mitzvah a couple of years ago. You know, he, he, he inspires a lot of loyalty with a lot of old friends. And these are people who, while I have not availed myself of it many times in my life, it would be very easy for one phone call to be made and them to pull strings or two for me. If my dad's buddy, none of these guys work in Hollywood or entertainment or show business. But if my dad had a buddy who was a super powerful Hollywood agent and one phone call would have gotten me an agent, I'd be an actor. Yeah, I believe it. Absolutely. Abs and look, I was never afraid of doing the work. I wouldn't be afraid of going to an audition. I mean, yeah, I'd be bummed out when I don't get stuff, but I wouldn't be afraid of trying. And I you're not gonna, certainly wouldn't be afraid. you're not going to show up at a gunfight with an empty gun. You know what I mean? Right. I wouldn't be afraid of, well, but some people love the hustle. Or some people, I'll admit, are more resilient than I am. They don't. That they kind of they still don't want to. They still it's don't want to know as an answer. Right. It, it, it's why I, the main reason, well, also, I wasn't very good. But the main reason I didn't succeed as a stand-up is because I couldn't do the hustle. I was terrible at it. And if I had to hustle, you know, much, much less, I have an agent. The auditions come my way. I have that advantage. I would absolutely be an actor. So I'm imagining myself as a kid not having those advantages as I really was being an aspiring actor, seeing this family go, Oh yeah, these people suck because we'll get to the jealousy thing because they have what I covet so much. Mm -hmm. Also, I was in general, just a more petty and less self-aware person as a kid. So something like this where I could snipe at people who I'm jealous of, I would be very eager to snipe at them. Yeah. I'd like the phenomenon of, you know, people calling out nepotism for what it is because I mean, it's not even like hacking Margaret Qualley, who's who's Andy McDowell's daughter. You know, I'm not saying she's she's not a great actress, but and you know, for, for what it's worth, Margaret Qualley changed her last name from her mother's last name, so she wouldn't draw attention. She was trying to pretend that she was not, you know, Andy McDowell's daughter for the longest time, thinking that that you know. But I have no doubt in my mind that her mom being in Sex Lies and Videotape and all these movies helped her get a you know a leg up. And all of a sudden, she's starring in Tarantino movies and all these things. Um, you know, I I. Hated it when I was a kid. I mean, the nepotism itself. I, I hate it as a kid. I hate it now. I think it's a corrective in society that it, it is fair to point it out. I think it, because ultimately, I think far more people coast and skate along on family names and are not good at it, don't earn it. We are, we are doing a, a, a yeoman's job of pointing out the people who are worthy, the Jamie Lee Curtises of the world, the Billy Lords of the world, hell, the Carrie Fishers of the world, her mom. Yeah. You know, like there are plenty of examples of people who were the children of privilege and who hustled their ass up and became icons like Jamie By Lee By the Curtis. way, I read a quote from Jamie Lee Curtis. Talk about someone recognizing her privilege. She flat out said it was down with, between me and another woman for the role in Halloween. And 100% know they gave it to me because we're doing a horror movie. If we could have the daughter of the woman in Psycho, bonus. Why the fuck We'll not? get some press by that. Yeah. She she is open. I oh, got yeah. that part. She's I mean, she got, she got to the top two through her talent or largely through her talent. But she says, I got the role because my mom was Jenny. Sure. I mean, that's, that's, all, that's yeah. all you want to hear. That's all you want to hear. You don't want people to try to pretend like they did this themselves. 
Again, like, you know, hearing Kim Kardashian honestly try to flim-flam you into saying that she earned everything she has when her dad was OJ's lawyer. She grew up as, you know, a millionaire in Los Angeles. Uh, her, you know, her, her stepfather for a brief while was the former Bruce Jenner. You know, it's like, and, and just because she started a makeup company is somehow like she thinks that she's a self-created tycoon. And, you know, that, 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 it's more of that kind of poison thinking that I think this stuff needs to be pointed out uh, as a simple corrective, you know. Look, I mean, it's like I have been patently aware since I was younger, uh, growing up middle class, lower middle class on Long Island, that better off families afforded their kids a college education on the arm or even worse, certainly because I worked in publishing for years, their kids got to spend years unpaid or yeah. poorly paid yeah. in the workforce with a big, big, big safety net to build yeah, up but cost. that's But that, hey, I got a summer unpaid because of privilege. Right. Well, but, but it's like- I didn't get the job. My dad didn't know anyone there. He just supported me for a summer when I worked for nothing there. When That's I it. when I worked at Dan's Papers, the newspaper, at the, at the for the bunch of years after college, one of the stringers who came and worked for a summer was Taylor Plimpton, who was George. I know you've told me this story. Taylor Plimpton, the most loathsome human being you've ever. No, met. no, no. Taylor Plimpton was a nice guy. No, I, oh, I, no, okay, but he, Dan, Dan of Dan's Papers is. The oh yeah, yeah. The guy who ran the paper is a terrible yeah. man, awful yeah. man. No, but uh, believe it or not, George Plimpton's son was was I was fully expected not like the child of George Plimpton, the sort of lockjawed wasp, uh, you know, author of Paper Lion among other things. However, his son was very, very humble, very considerate, uh, the same age as I am, or a little younger. But it seemed like, oh, okay, you know, whatever that wasp politesse, he had it, and I was like, I'll, I'll give him credit. Oh, also, and uh, Tom Wolfe's daughter did a summer as a stringer there too, Alexandra Wolfe. Clearly somebody who went into writing and wrote, wrote books and, and just pretty much inherited Tom Wolfe's mantle. You know, these people just zip right by in their little, you know, their wasp ivory towers. And I saw them do things that I would never get to do. And I was, you know, I was laying bricks, metaphorically speaking, in a newspaper while I was watching these children of superstars just cash in on their parents' names. You know, and it's like I knew that these things happened beforehand and I would watch it. I mean, it's like, honestly, who else would pay attention to who Tom Wolfe's daughter is? Who else would care? These things aren't anything you would see. You're not supposed to see this happening. This is all backroom stuff of Tom Wolfe's daughter becomes an author like her father. That Taylor Plimpton's son becomes a writer like his like his father. That's supposed to be invisible. It's supposed to be kept from you so you don't even know that it's happening. And I was the, the kid from the fucking, you know, middle class of Long Island who was watching all this stuff. And I just had to sit there and, and you know, co-sign it as along the way. And it, it infuriated me thinking it's like, well... I got a brief glimpse into a world that I will never, ever, ever see. You know, that's air I can't breathe inside these, inside their houses, you know? And it's like, I wonder what it would be like to grow up and be a wolf or a Plimpton. Like, it's impossible at this point to Google any up-and-coming famous person right now and not realize that their parents' names are highlighted in blue on Wikipedia. And we all know what that means. Is the rise of the uh, uh, nepotism babies call-outs uh, in any way a sign of the apocalypse? Well, no, I don't think that the the call out is a sign of the apocalypse. What it is, it highlights the fact that since we are living this Groundhog Day over and over again, where, you know, they're, they're always, let's say every eight years, there's a new set of fingers to point at a new crop of people who just sort of show up. And so it doesn't change anything. It's futile. The people who got their shit called out the last time go back to, like, they just stand still, like they fade against the wallpaper, like Zach Braff's shirt. In Garden State, you know, if you if you <laughs> not a nepotism baby, no, I knew his no, I parents know, growing up. Not a nepotism. But the metaphor is, if you just stand still, you know that you can get back to inheriting your privilege, going back to not earning it, or fucking around until you finally do something that catches on, because you have plenty of rope 
to hang yourself with, you know, and it's like and, and you know, but but the the I think that cueing off of what you said in the beginning of the show, what is more uh, terrible about this, what is an actual sign of the apocalypse is the political thing. Um, like the, talk about politics becoming and it always has been a province of name recognition and celebrity but it is quite literally people like dr oz who are celebrities like trump who is a you know celebrities jump into politics as if there's no other prerequisite other than having q like q what is it q rating q is not not q and on yeah it's name recognition name yeah recognition. no it's totally right yeah and, and we know, talked about george i mean trump got money from his dad he didn't become a celebrity because his dad wasn't famous. Was no, he? but but it's like idiot kids are about to like they're going to cause some real look whatever. His idiot. No, his kids are are beneficiaries from celebrities. Yeah, yes. right. But I'm saying it's like and it, it's you yeah. know th- th- there's there's another Bush right now running in Texas. Is yeah. it uh, what is it Jeb's son? I can't remember. One of them is yeah. Jeb's Jeb's son is the insurance commissioner or some, some and so he's he's running on a hardline yeah. anti-immigrant maga line yeah, in texas yeah, you yeah. know and it's like that's how you how you get the r letter it's all they care about and and the worst Gr- thing is grievance racism and in, in tax cuts george w bush's in. nephew is disavowing george yes. w bush to get yep. points amongst yep. maga heads yeah you know what yep. i'm saying and he's you running on, it, and maybe. he's running on his name and he's running on his name as well yeah because they two two things that are opposite can be correct at the same time in their world the, the Democrats are the pedophile grifters. Anyway, that's, so yeah, what, what do you think of the apocalypse here? Uh, what a mood I'm in, huh? Uh, I mean, I, I clearly don't think that nepotism is apocalypse because it's, hey, we made it a couple million years with nepotism, so I don't think that's going to be the thing that kills us. Uh, maybe, I don't know, who knows? Like, like I would know. Um, it's sort of... I don't want to retread ground from what I said before about what's on balance, not great about this, which is, it feels like just a call out and, you know, maybe it's steam valve letting off some, some, some anger without actually addressing the problem and fooling us into thinking we're addressing the problem. Right. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't see this being that harsh. I see this very mildly on the negative scale. Whoever told you that you could work with men. Oh, I'm gonna have your job, shithead. I'm going downtown. I'm gonna talk to Mitch and Murray. I'm going to Lemkin. I don't care whose nephew you are, who you know, whose dick you're sucking on, you're going out. Let's uh, discuss jealousy, the green eyed monster. Where <laughs> does nepotism baby lie yeah, yeah, for you? Yeah. I am, I, you know, I, this, is, this is way up there in the jealousy scale because, as I said before, if I were the child of Hollywood, power i'd be an actor for sure and as much as i got over my childhood dream of being you know on saturday night live or whatever uh you know there will always be a part of me that that wonders if i i I took the wrong road but something else that kind of makes me jealous here is um i like to think i'm not perfect but i like to think that i do recognize the privilege that i have i have great privilege i i i like to think i'm aware of that I think it's part of what pushes me as a hard worker. I'm a very hard worker. I think people who know me would agree with that. Frankly, these days, I think I got to work less hard because I'm getting to an age where it's not as easy to recover afterwards. It's, it's tearing the ass out of you. It's tearing the... Well, that's one of the few body parts I'm not having problems with. Um, but um, not yet. But um, So I feel like I am very quick to recognize my privilege, very open about it. Uh, in a Jamie Lee Curtisian way. And it really drives me nuts when others don't. 
I get very mad at people who refuse to recognize their privilege. You know, the, the metaphor, uh, born on third base and thinks they hit a triple, you know? Yeah. I, 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 I am mad at those people. And a lot of that is jealousy because I feel like, why do I have to do the hard work of looking at yourself and being honest about yourself? And they don't. And they won't and pay for it too. Right. And of course, if I'm looking at them, by definition, they are more famous than I am. And it's still that root of wanting to be an actor, you know, even though I'm over it, the little part of me that wishes I were better known. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty effing jealous of this whole thing. Yeah, you know, and, and um, much like you, I don't know if I could sit here and, I mean, granted, it's theoretical. I could not solemnly vow that I wouldn't use a connection or a hook if I had it to exploit well, you know, it'd be a totally different story if, you know, one of my fucking, instead of being a bunch of alcoholics and wastrels and, you know, societal rejects, somebody in my family actually had some pull or some clout somewhere, you know, like if there was any. Well, your, your, your wife does. Well, not in anything. Well, from what I do now, as the star of the Bill and James talk show, Noah, I probably have more yeah. clout in my field than anybody yes. anybody I, oh, okay. I'm the hook that somebody else needs at this moment. Because yes, of my, exactly. Yeah, my okay. fame, my Very nascent good. fame. Yeah, uh, right. yeah, no, I it, it is it is any a, day now. Like it's the it's like half half jealousy of the connected, but half revulsion over the fact that people shrug their shoulders at a resignation. You know, like uh, to imagine how much better. Granted, of course, the the, the species hasn't run on not yet has not run on the rocks and ended uh, because of nepotism. You could imagine that that doesn't mean we can't improve life on Earth and society might run a little better if you were somehow able to tidy it up a little bit. And I really fully believe that, that if you limited this stuff, if there were some safeguards, if it was possible to put some safeguards, if it was even possible to put curbs in, it would make things run a little easier just because you would not have legacy cases. And then on top of that, people looking for this shit and, and wasting time on figuring, well, who the fuck is warming a chair here because their fucking dad went to Yale before? You know, like that that's that's bad time in somebody's life that you have to police those kind of things. And you'd actually have a spot open for someone who wants to fucking earn it along the way. So, yeah. Right. And getting back to the Franklin Leonard thing, you actually get some diversity out there, which... We are, I think you know, everyone benefits from the, I mean, the, the C-suite thing. We are doing our damnedest right now to, to people to, uh, to, to claim that actor like actor actors are becoming more brown. They're becoming more queer. However, the fucking C-suite in every single it's right, still right, MBAs right, yeah. from Harvard, MBAs from USC. It's like it's still the same idiots who are running all the studios. It's not changing. But but, but do you think that if Hollywood is still with us 50 years from now, that the power that those browner, queerer people in front of the camera have attained will trickle to power behind the camera. Or it, do you think it will. It will make no difference. No, it certainly will. But the thing is, the, it'll still be uh, the, the representation will still be off kilter. It will not resemble in any way, shape or form the audience who sees movies or the demographics right. of the United well, States. But again, like all things nepotism all power positions are like that for the most part, sure. right? Yeah. Or not all, but the vast majority, right? I mean, you know, let's get back to politics. You think Congress represents, I mean, how many black senators are there? Four? You know, most you know? most of America are 80-year-old uh, representatives and senators, I would say. That right. is clearly exactly. an, most, an honest yes. assessment. Most, most of, people don't realize that. Most yeah. of the country is 81 years old. And, uh, they, yeah, they, most of the country is 81. They yeah. drive Mercedes-Benzes, you know, that kind yes, of thing. Yes, I, yeah. I, I, I will be 81 this summer. I feel that way. <laughs> uh, so, Bill, this is an interesting one. The, 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 and let's and let's use its original name because I think that's relevant. The Fallonian scale. Oh boy, Jimmy Fallon for all our hatred of him, 
not in any way, shape, or form a nepotism baby. No. He grew up working class. His yes. parents were not remotely in show business. Right. Uh, you know, he, he did it. I don't want to say the hard way. I think he was very lucky. Yeah. But none of that luck was no, mommy he, daddy's he was, money. Yeah, none he, of that luck was nepotism. It was just based on unctuousness and the fact that he stuck around like a tick. I, I, he, he, won, he won the viral lot. Let's yeah. be honest. Right place, right time. I'm sure. Well, I I think that nepotism baby as a call out is fine. It's it's sort of gossamer. It's it's fleeting. It's futile. You know, like that's I don't know. The actual thing is just going to be, uh, hey boomer. You know, like whatever that is. Okay, boomer. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Okay. No, hey boomer. We didn't even talk about it. Hey boomer went by uh, within six seconds. Don't even care. Hey, hey boomer was uh, about. Uh, boomers who were going on hay rides that yeah was hay boomer thing. right that with allergies that they would they would sneeze yeah. the entire time yeah. but i think that nepotism, yeah. nepotism itself i you know have no hesitation by saying it's as bad as deep fakes which i think was just about one oh of, come on just about one of the worst things you could think of in no terms of fucking way i'm standing by it my friend it's no a, way it's the blank check right. the blank check that the two bush boys neil bush and steve bush and Gary Bush and all the other Bush brothers got a chance to just run all the states they wanted. The governor of Nebraska, the governor of right. the governor of Chile, everywhere they were fucking governors. They just zooted in and got whatever they wanted because their last name. You know? All right. Well, I, I again, I go back to Og and Trog in the cave. You know, if I think if deep fakes had been in the cave, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. But nepotism was in the cave, and we are having. I'm trying, this I'm trying to think right of a cave painting that has somebody's face over. The, I know. The, 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 so realistic. That the you think the it's deer, real. like the sideways deer with yeah. the guys with spears, yeah. and it's like, oh, that really looks like my wife. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. Uh, thag somehow thag, you know, grew the body of an ibex or something. <laughs> um, I don't know. I thought of I thought of okay boomer as well. Of course, I I knew the real term for it because I'm smarter than you. Um, but I liked OK Boomer more because I thought, you know, me, I think boomers are the cause of all of America's ills right now. And we need to call them out more. And that felt like the beginning of people first starting to really call them out on mass. So I liked that, I think, a lot. I think this is slightly negative. So I say this is like a quarter of OK Boomer times negative one. Right? You got that? Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Right? And I don't know. I wanted to think of a topic as something I'm like, yeah, it's all right. But, like, who gives a shit? And it's not that good. And I think I, I hit upon CBD oil. Maybe I'll put it at CBD I like oil. that. Yeah, okay. okay. It's been a while since I thought about CBD oil. I know. And, frankly, I have no idea what I said when we actually talked about it. But that's sort of... Look at the list of our topics. I'm like, all right, CBD there's oil. So, there's still somebody sponsored. I got other shit CBD oil sponsors somebody, like, channels. I'm, like, I waiting know. for them to, like... The sponsorship deal with us, you know, for Christ's sake. To every podcast, there's like three levels of podcast sponsorship. There's uh, ZipRecruiter. Better help now. Better help. Those are like the celebrity ones. Then there's the CBD oil and the gummies, which are like people who are big in the podcast world, but clearly they need day jobs, right? And then there's people like us who have no sponsors. Those are the three levels, right? So. All right. Well, I guess we're at the end of the show, so I'm going to bring it home. Um, consulting my notes and my boilerplate here, it says if you guys would like to find past episodes of Apple, on, uh, you can look on Apple Podcasts. You can look on SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Tweet to us at Noah and Bill Show. Write to us, Noah and Bill Don't Get It at gmail.com. Give us a review on the aggregators, everybody, because that's how people will find new. We, we will have cousins of other uh, listeners. You will have friends, a whole family of people. Uh, that you're yeah. ready to exchange yeah. ideas with. That's, that's the point. Exactly. And by the way, if you listen to our show once, unlimited relatives get to listen to our show free. 
Yeah, no, that's true. People, yeah, that is the no, that's the no eternal guarantee. Yeah. Yeah. Your relatives get the show free, just for being a loyal listener. So I don't get it. The yeah, you have to, it's, it's a cookies thing. It's saved in your browser. Yes. I don't know. I can't explain how it works. Yes, but, it's there. but we're gonna charge you double what we charge you the first. So I'm on Twitter at William Scurry. Please, for God's sake, someone hold me accountable for some of these things that I say. I'm, my video is my video work is on YouTube at YouTube.com/slash AmCaesar. And now here's Noah. Here I am, the Big Quiz Thing, BigQuizThing.com, the very, very best in corporate and private live trivia events nationwide, nay, worldwide, because it's both virtual and in person. We are booking heavy for the summer, so get yours in now. And we do have a public event coming up uh, June 12th, uh, hosted by me at The Crossing, beautiful outdoor space in San Francisco, free to play, but uh, check it out at BigQuizThing.com. Well, until the next episode of the show, which just simply coasts on our two last names, we, we don't, don't get, get it. it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2022.